What is the secret to achieving world peace? People, especially in the last century, have been aspiring to and looking for all types of methods to achieve a world that lives in peace. That despite the diversity of nations, we find a harmony, a harmony within that diversity. All types of attempts have been made. United Nations, NATO, international treaties, summit meetings. And much of it has worked. But what is the real secret to achieving world peace? Surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, it begins at your doorstep. That's the secret. World peace begins with inner peace. So please join me and let's discuss what we can do in our internal lives in creating an internal harmony and peace within ourselves and in turn impact a larger world. Because at the end of the day, the billions of people on this earth are all individuals like you and I. So please join me. World peace begins with inner peace. Hi, Simon Jacobson here. I welcome you to another episode, and we will be speaking about both a global and a personal issue. World peace begins with inner peace. This program is dedicated by Nathaniel Plotkin with tremendous gratitude for the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. Thank you so much, and in honor of your dedication, may this class inspire illuminate, and empower people everywhere. World peace is definitely a headline that every human being would aspire to, would consider to be an achievement. And indeed, you can say that we have close, come closer to it than ever before. It's the thing, the dream of dreamers, of poets, of politicians, a world with many different nations finding harmony within their diversity. And indeed, many attempts have been made, especially in the last century. You have the United Nations. You have international treaties, NATO, summit meetings, and all the other attempts to maintain the peace, especially after World War II and all the devastation that that brought onto the world. So it became a mutual interest that even nations that were at odds with each other to find something in common. So though there are disruptions today, the Ukraine, Russia's attack of the Ukraine, but nevertheless, it still remains the ultimate goal to create world peace. So not taking away from all these efforts and attempts, the surprising answer and the true answer and the real secret of world peace lies at a place that many of us would not think about first. But then when you really think about it, you realize it's not so surprising. And that is right here at your doorstep.
in your heart and soul. World peace does indeed begin with inner peace. Because remember, at the end of the day, the new world is made up of nations, of countries, of different bodies, but they're all, at the end of the day, made up of individuals like you and I. So if you can create peace between two people, then hypothetically you can create peace between many people. So really the question is what lies at the heart of why we're not at peace with each other? And the answer is because we're not at peace with ourselves. That's the ultimate biblical and mystical answer. And when you think about it, it has a profound element of psychological and emotional insight into what defines a human being. Because you'll see that those that are at peace with themselves and are comfortable in their own skin are the people that can coexist with others, including those that are very different than them and may even have a completely different opinion than they. The fact that somebody has to go to war to silence another or to vanquish another or to, over, to, or to control them tells you something. It's not just because you're so confident in your opinion. It may be because you cannot deal with another opinion. And maybe that reflects on a deeper insecurity of your own. I'm not going to suggest that there were no tyrants in history that maybe had some their own distorted, obscene vision of life and felt that that was the only one to impose on everyone else. But even with them, I would wonder whether there isn't something else going on as well. The need to prove themselves, the need to control, maybe the need to compensate for a lack of control that they had when they were younger. I'm not going to go into a psychological analysis of the pathology of Hitler's and Stalin's and Genghis Khan's and other tyrants throughout history. But it's clear that without doubt that when you're at peace with yourself, it's far easier to achieve peace with others. And when you're not, your inner struggles and tensions will spill over. And vice versa, the calmer, the more at peace you are with yourself, the easier it is to create peace around you. That's why you see when a person is in a peaceful state of mind, you come into their environment, the vibe they give off is one of harmony, is one of symmetry, of one of coordination, of cooperation, and so on. So let's go dig a little deeper into this. According to the biblical story, there was one human being in the beginning of it all, Adam and Eve, one man, one woman. Now I'm sure they had their differences, which became quite amplified when they ate from the tree of knowledge. And indeed it's explained that is when they, depended, they, cre they developed an independent consciousness, which way it was meant to be, to create an independent consciousness from the divine. This is what we speak about in the words of the Arizal, the tzimtzum, the great concealment that created the first dissonance. Dissonance is the root, of course, the opposite of peace, where there are two forces or two voices, two energies that are not able to, to function, to coexist with each other. And as a result, that creates a ripple effect of dissonance. On a spiritual level, it means 
when there's a seamlessness and a certain singularity, a wholeness, even if it's made up of many different parts, they all work together perfectly well. Just look at the human body. Look at nature. Made up of diverse millions, billions, trillions of cells, of atomic particles, subatomic particles, of DNA, of building blocks, and yet they work together in this symbiotic, which is actually a marvel. It's, an, it's, it's awesome to see. It's one thing if everything was, the, everything was a clone of each other. But here we're talking about different systems, different entities, and yet they work together in this ultimate harmony. Because differences is not the, is not the opposite of harmony. It's conflict that's the opposite. When two things don't realize that they can work together or they need each other. So if you think about when the first war was fought, well, in the biblical story, it was Cain's jealousy of his brother Abel, his younger brother, and he killed him. In a more subtle form, it was when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, defying the command, do not eat from that tree of knowledge. Eat from the tree of life. But they chose for whatever reason, to do as they saw fit. So in other words, as soon as you disalign yourself and you wander off from the reservation, from the purpose of your being, and you allow jealousy or discord or other factors to come into play, you're ignoring the integral and underlying intrinsic unity that connects diversity and allowing a separation to take place. And that on its own can lead to the worst things. Because if you continue down that road, the diversity leads to divisiveness, divisiveness leads to conflict, conflict leads to war. However, when you're able to recognize the intrinsic unity, so even though there's diversity, the diversity leads to harmony, to beauty, which is essentially harmony within diversity. A beautiful face, a beautiful song, a beautiful piece of art. So if you want to trace if you want to create a solution to a problem, you have to trace the root of the problem. The root of the problem is not 8 billion people or 120 nations or two nations that are pitted against each other. It's two individuals that don't see eye to eye and they're unable to find a common denominator. But deeper than that, it's one individual that can't find within themselves an inner peace. And this is explained in the context that we have two voices or two souls, the animal soul and the divine soul, Two voices, the voice of self-preservation and the voice of transcendence. One focusing me, 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 my needs. And one transcendence, how much I give, I serve, a cause greater than myself. And these two voices, voices are at conflict with one another. The goal is to bring them together, that even though they're two opposite voices, they both can complement each other. But if they don't, that's where you have the first dissonance the first cognitive and even emotional dissonance within the human being, the two voices that cannot speak to each other, and they have to fight who will dominate. Now, you may not see that fight in the open sense. It's like when you wake up in the morning. It's not like you feel a, a split personality. Sometimes you do, but it doesn't mean you have to always sense it, but it's always there. What, what are you going to do in every given situation, every encounter? Will an encounter be one driven by your selfish needs, by the id, Freud's id, or will it be driven by transcendence, by higher cause, by purpose, by serving, 
Can it be both? Yes, it can be both. But you have to take that into consideration. If a human being made the choice to understand that I am here to serve, I'm here to give, guaranteed that there will be less conflict with another. Now, both of them make that decision, then you have peace between two individuals. So the first, first step is to find that inner peace within yourself. Are you at peace with yourself? And most often the answer is not completely. Sometimes in, the, in more, I would say, extreme situations, but unfortunately it's more common than not, I'm not at peace. And most of the time I am struggling with my own feelings, my own drives, my own temptations, not sure to do what is right. So how is it possible to imagine a world of true peace? I'm not talking about convenient peace. Of course nations make treaties because it's mutually convenient not to kill each other. Self-preservation, coexistence. So we have red lights and green lights. But that's more superimposed. If you want a true inner peace, outer peace, or world peace, you have to find true inner peace. And that's the real objective, how to achieve that. And that gets back to the purpose of existence, what it drives your life. All the therapy, all the medication, all the interventions that exist are coming to some way relieve the tension, the pain, the existential pain, the existential loneliness that we experience. What is an addiction if not that? is the need for something. And if you can't find it in a healthy way, you'll find it in an unhealthy way. So the bottom line is that everything that you point at in this world, all the maladies, you can trace back to the inner peace that we have or don't have. Look at a newborn child. Look at the seamlessness. Look at the smile, the happiness. You don't see bitterness. You don't see anger. You don't see disappointment. And you also don't see duplicity because the child is a seamless, happy, go lucky, adventurous spirit, enters this world, is excited and stimulated by everything. Now, I'm not talking about this, if there's a, a particular aberration or anomaly situation. I'm talking about a natural average child. What happens then? Well, the child learns dissonance from its parents. Duplicity, lies, self-interest, critique, judgmentalism. Everything that goes against the seamlessness of the harmony within diversity that defines a healthy organism. So it would be literally like somebody coming, in this case, let's say parents or educators or society at all, and taking a glorious piece of art, a masterpiece or a piece of music, or a piece of literature and tearing it up or breaking it into parts where it can't work together. That's what happens when a child experiences the first forms of dissonance in its life. Initially, it may seem very subtle, but it slowly builds up and this child grows into a, an adult that has conflicting voices and, is and finds it difficult to find a way to harmonize, to synchronize, to coordinate between them. This, in essence, is the definition of insecurity, fear, inhibition, all the forces that inhibit and don't allow us to become our true selves.
How many people have I met that have told me, I'm afraid to really explore because I feel I will disappoint. I remember trying something new and I was immediately told by my parents, who do you think you are? Critique, judgment, invalidation. All this contributes to a person who's struggling within. How many of us are struggling with our demons right now? The good news is that's not who you truly are. You truly are is a soul, a seamless soul that can express itself in many diverse ways. And frankly, even sometimes our insecurities and fears is another expression, but it's not our identity. Your identity is not made up of fragments. Your identity is made up of unity and seamlessness. And as such, it is aligned with its purpose. And if you are fully aware of it, you'd be totally at peace with yourself. And when you meet another person, it would look like, oh, that person doesn't have something that belongs to me. That person has something that belongs to them, but it complements me, and I compliment that one, that other. Like musical notes, indispensable ones in a grand cosmic symphony, as I often describe. So what do you have from all of this? Is that we have a healthy version of who we are supposed to be, and then we've wandered. We've lost sometimes the plot. Our goal is to reconnect. You reconnect, and you will connect better with others. You see this in marriage. Can a person who's full of tensions and full of inner conflict and dissonance really coexist with another person? Will there not be clashes? And if you have both people fighting for their own, for their own turf, with all the negative forces that I'm describing and dissonance and fragmentation and disjointedness, so of course you're going to have two people at some point that are going to clash. There's no way that's inevitable. However, if they can find within themselves what is it that you want with your life? What is it that you represent? What is your higher calling? That is the key to creating peace between two people. And all you have to do then is amplify that, magnify it, scale it, and you replicate it, and it can become a ripple effect that affects the entire universe. Let's talk about this from a physics perspective. One of the bizarre conclusions of quantum mechanics was that the observer impacts that which he or she is observing. As counterintuitive and strange as it sounded, this kept on being proven again and again and again until scientists had no choice but to accept it. It still goes against, boggles the mind and still goes against our natural understanding of things because we would think I'm watching something, I'm objectively looking at something behind the glass, why would I be impacting it? So there are different theories that explain this phenomenon, but the phenomenon is without doubt true. To the point, we'll find different physicists right that we've discovered this is not an objective universe. The observer impacts the very reality around you. You as the observer impact the reality around you. Now this leads me to bring up a very interesting Hypothesis. If that's the case, wouldn't it make sense that we cannot create harmony and peace around us if we internally are struggling? Whether we know it or not, we're affecting the universe around us. So the true unified field theory, and I've, I've posited this in the past, is dependent on one factor. We'll never find it until we find the final frontier is your inner peace within yourself, the harmony within your own being. You know, the Talmud puts it this way, that we say in the prayer, love God with all your heart. The word heart is used 
like a double heart, lavavcha, because there's two parts of the heart, the right and the left, which is often refers to, referred to the two locations of the two voices or the two drives, the divine transcendent voice and drive, and the selfish one, survival, your own needs, existing. A mission-centric life versus a survival-centric life. And they clash with each other. But the goal is ultimately that they come together. That your own selfishness understands for you to be complete and whole, you need to have transcendence. And the transcendence knows and recognizes that to survive in this world, you need to also preserve yourself. But they're not mutually exclusive. They complement each other. And when we do that on an individual basis, it has that butterfly effect. I used before ripple effect, butterfly effect that affects the entire world because you affect your environment. And there cannot be true harmony around you if there's no true harmony within you. Can we create a semblance of it? Absolutely. We see that all the time. You see people who are at war with each other, but it's in their mutual interest. Partners who hate each other, but it's in their mutual financial interest to get along. And they do. Often they don't, but often they do. So of course you can create superficial harmony, you can create even deeper than superficial if there's self-interest, but if you want to create true, true peace, true harmony, true um, synchronicity and integration, it begins with integration within yourself. I find this to be a fascinating concept because ultimately it comes down to you have the power to affect the world around you. Now you'll say, what's one person in one little corner of the world going to do if he feels a little at peace with himself or herself? This is not a numbers game. On the subatomic level, we know there's a connection between everything and everything. And even if it's not a motivation for you to affect the world, it's powerful to know that you do. But even above all, it's in your own interest to do this because a person is far more productive and far more actualized when they don't have to struggle. How many hours do we spend struggling with demons, fighting our demons, battling with our fragmentation, with different conflicting voices, fears? Will it be accepted? Won't I be accepted? What will that person say? Will it please them? Will it not please them? How many of our fears consume our lives? And that's sapping tremendous power, valuable energy. It drains us. Now, many of us minimize it, either because we're not paying attention and we'd rather not know how, many time, how much time we spend on that, or we do other things to numb our existential pain, whether it's psychological things, physical things, addictions. But the fact of the matter is that you, in your entirety, is not being actualized. You're not spreading your wings because instead of spreading light, instead of embracing what you're capable of, you're busy fighting the things that concern you the fears. So this number one, the motivation is just to be a more wholesome person. If you can find a balance between the different voices and drives within you. Secondly, you do affect the world around you, starting with your own immediate world, your family, your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, your community, and ultimately the world itself. I think that's a pretty appealing uh, proposition. What do you think? And the beauty of it is that it's all in your hands. You'll say, one second here. I'm already a victim of circumstances. I'm a creature of habit. 
I think I'm too old to make change. That's a big mistake. That means you bought into an external view that you are stuck where you are. You're never stuck. Because indeed your soul is alive and kicking and it never gets old, gets younger. However, you have to create the arteries, the channels, the fuel lines that connect your soul to your daily life. Which means recognizing in your own personal life your calling, the importance of your life. On a practical level, suggestion that I often make, in the morning, say the moda'ani. Thank you for returning my soul to me. Firstly, it's an expression of gratitude, which we know already makes you a healthier person and a more wholesome person. Secondly, you're acknowledging your very purpose. Thank you for returning my soul. My soul is the essence of my life. And thirdly, it also puts things into context. Saying, thank you for renewing my contract, for giving me another day, for giving me purpose, for renewing my purpose. When you have that sense of urgency, that is the hub that connects the dissonant or the different voices and drives. Because whether you're going to eat a meal because you're hungry, or you're going to do an act of volunteerism to help somebody, it's all driven by that soul hub of the soul. That's the unifying factor. So it does unify diverse things, just like we spoke earlier about the human body and nature, harmony within diversity. So if you commit to that on a daily basis, I'm going to create a little more peace within myself, which always comes from spirituality, because spirituality unites, materialism divides. This doesn't mean we ignore our material needs. It just means you're not driven and doesn't begin and end with your material needs. You have them, but it's a means. And the focus is on the soulfulness of your life, the purpose of your life, the love in your life. And love, of course, is a unifying force. That's what love does. You may remember that film, What the Bleep Do We Know? And there they quoted the book by one of the Japanese uh, researchers who wrote a book about the, the wisdom of water, I believe. Now, I never verified this, and it seems pretty wild, where he said that water crystals actually change their shape based on the vibes in that room. If it's a pleasant vibe and there's love and there's warmth and kindness, the water crystals turn into beautiful, symmetrical um, objects, shapes. And when there's grotesqueness, when, when there's anger in the room and negative energy, the water crystals turn into grotesque shapes and forms. Regardless whether this is verified or not, but the concept, again, is fascinating. Well, you see this. You go to a party, and if the host of the party is in a bad mood, the people on top, what do you think happens? That spills over to the waiters and to the staff and then to the guests. Whereas if the people who are hosting, the people on top are in a good place, it creates that type of vibe. Vibes affect people. Someone comes over you with a sour face and very angry. You may not respond and reciprocate, but it definitely doesn't create a pleasant energy. So it's all cause and effect, action and reaction. Remember reading recently this farm boy who lived on a farm all his life. He never saw the city. One day he comes with his family. They come visit a mansion. They enter the mansion. The first time he's ever seen a mirror in his life. He never saw a mirror. There are no mirrors on these farms, the rural areas. 
He's looking in the mirror and he sees another child making faces at him. A sour face, an angry face, all kinds of different faces. He gets all very upset, so he goes to the host and says, look at this, you have a child here making these faces at me. And the man responds, smile to him and he'll smile back. So of course it's a mirror image, that's what happens. The energies we give off come back to us. You smile to someone, look at the reaction. Now, some people are really angry and even a smile doesn't work. But still, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. In general, you smile to someone, there's a smile back. Children, for sure. So we do give off vibes and we do affect our environments. So long before quantum mechanics, we always knew this. But now we also have evidence of it in a physical level. So my friends, you have, you control your destiny and you control the destiny of your world around you and the larger world as well. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anyone. That's not the goal here. I'll put the full responsibility on you, no. But each of us can make change. And like the expression, as a face is illuminated in water, so too one heart is illuminated. In, one heart is, as a face is reflected in water, one heart is reflected in another. And words from the heart enter the heart. There's something about that connection. Today, sometimes it's called mirror neurons. That you mirror the neurons in another person. The classic example is if you see somebody at a door and the door is about to close on their fingers, you may yell out, ouch. But you're not at the door, you're not even feeling it. But you're imagining it and you're mirroring their neurons. You may even warn them ahead of time. So there's an element of mirroring. The mirroring, the projection that we create. And it really creates a whole other way of looking at life, another perspective. And that perspective is one that our actions and our words and our thoughts affect everything around us. So this is both necessary to know in our own personal lives, but also in our collective lives, our communal lives. And ultimately on the globe itself, world peace begins with inner peace. It's sometimes good to close your eyes and imagine a world starting with individuals that just had that inner peace. I remember someone I met that went through a very traumatic life, very abusive home, a person that had every reason to be constantly tense, and they were always tense. But yet, when they began to study spiritual teachings and ideas, they began in my classes and then began reading, they began reading. So this person tells me how they would go into a zone very quiet zone that brought them back to a place where there was no war and no tension and no anger and no conflict and no dissonance and no dichotomies. Just that pure place, which is really experiencing your own child. You know, can you remember a memory? Can you recollect a memory of a childhood memory where you just, a summer, where you just were just completely free? felt at peace at home, didn't have to worry about what someone's opinion or some other conflict. It's good to evoke such memories because it gives us an oasis to hold on to, a type of cognitive oasis, which then our emotions can become more comfortable entering into that zone. So that's what we need to do. And what's refreshing, what's so refreshing, more than refreshing, invigorating, transformative, I would even say, 
is it takes you away from that world of conflict. How many forces are at work? You go to work, you go to your job. This one says that, this one says that. How many different people do you have to constantly balance whether this one will be happy, whether they will not be happy? How do you satisfy everything? Every need, every expectation. It's critical to be able to go into that inner place, that place, the peace at the center. You'll be surprised how it can change your entire life. This doesn't mean automatically everything goes away, but you found something to hold on to. And that slowly can spread. And as it spreads within you, it will also spread outside of you. So indeed, world peace does begin with inner peace. Think about it. I would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, your suggestions to take this idea further. Because it's one that we all need to know. It's an idea worth sharing. So please share it as well. Thank you so much. This has been Simon Jacobson from the Meaningful Life Center. Meaningfullife.com is our website where you can find this and similar articles and also very different ones and videos and audio and podcasts, you name it, on all the existing platforms. So we're out there. So please take advantage. And again, I'd love to hear your feedback. Be blessed. Find that inner place, that inner peace, that soul, where when you enter there, everything is perfect. And then bring that perfection, bring that harmony into a troubled world that we live in. First our own challenges, and then extending it to others as well. May you be blessed, and may we all find that inner peace and extend it to others, and ultimately, yes, indeed, create a world of total peace and harmony. Harmony within diversity. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.